Let us turn our attention now to the word of the Lord. But before we do, would you bow with me and let's pray together once again. Father, even now we come to you at this moment. We ask, Lord, that you would teach us, that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, would you move me out of your way? Use me just as a vessel, as your instrument to speak to us and to speak to our hearts, that we might be convicted, that we might be challenged, that we might be encouraged. Lord, I know that I have no righteousness of myself. I know that I have no words of wisdom to offer. So would you speak? Would you work in spite of me? Lord, all of us need to hear from you this morning. And so we lift high your cross and your word. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us now? We ask this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible with you this morning, and I hope that you do, please take it and turn with me once again to Matthew chapter 5. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 5, as we'll continue in our sermon series looking at the Beatitudes. If you didn't bring your own copy of God's Word this morning, and you're not planning on using the screens or your phone or tablet, Feel free to borrow one of the Bibles that's in the back of the pew there. You can borrow and read along that way. Or if you don't have your own copy of God's Word, you can take one of those copies with you as our gift to you. We would be happy to replenish it. But regardless of how you're accessing the Word of the Lord, whether it's in digital or print format, I would ask, if you're physically able, would you please stand out of reverence for the public reading of God's Holy Word? I'll read for us Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Then I shall go back and read verse 6. And so after I have reread verse 6, I'll say this is the word of the Lord. I encourage you to respond by saying thanks be to God. We look together now in Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Once again, verse 6 Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. As we have been walking through these Beatitudes, we have discussed how this is the beginning of what is often called the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is in the area, the region of Galilee. He goes up on the hillside and he begins to teach. And what he's going to teach is the first of five long discourses that Matthew arranges for us, as we have spoken about in previous weeks. This is specific 
towards his Jewish, his Hebrew readers. They looked at the first five books of the law that Moses compiled, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And so they look at those first five books and they see that as the five big teachings of Moses, of God using Moses. And so in proving that Jesus is the greater Moses, is the prophet that Moses foretold, he arranges Jesus' teaching in this way. And so Jesus sits down to reinterpret the law for them. You've heard that it was said. You've heard that there are things and actions you should not do. But what Jesus does through the rest of that sermon, and even in the Beatitudes, is he internalizes it. It's not just about what you do or don't do, what actions you take or don't take, but it actually is also how you think and feel in your heart. You have heard that it said, do not commit adultery. But I say unto you today that if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, then you have already committed adultery. You have heard it said, do not murder. But I say to you, if you look at your brother with hatred and malice in your heart, then you have already committed murder in your heart. Jesus takes the law and extrapolates it to an extreme that people never thought possible. This is the first time anybody is hearing anything like this. And he starts with the Beatitudes. That comes from the Latin beatus, which is just the word for blessed in Latin. So people are blessed. People are happy. They are blissful. They are fortunate. They are favored by God. That's what that word means. And it's interesting, even as we go through the Beatitudes, blessed are those who mourn. Happy are the sad. They're jarring to hear because to an audience listening to it for the first time, it wouldn't have made much sense. And Jesus uses these words that we focus on today. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. And this righteousness that he is talking about has so many implications. There's so many definitions to it. One of the first and foremost and top definitions that we should be looking at is legal, just righteousness before God. So those who hunger and thirst to be in right standing with God will be satisfied. It reminds me of what James tells us in James chapter 4. If we draw near to God, God will draw near to us. Those who are hungry, who are starving, who are dying of thirst, and the only thing that can satisfy or quench their thirst, the only thing that can fulfill their hunger is the righteousness of God, then they will find that Jesus is the righteousness of God. And that the only way to be in right standing with God Almighty is to place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So in a legal sense, in a judgment kind of a sense, we have a debt that stands before us. We have crimes that we have committed for which we deserve death. Paul tells us in Romans that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. You deserve death. I deserve death. And the only way to not receive the punishment, the penalty that we owe is to hunger and thirst, to crave the righteousness that comes from Jesus. And I just wonder, if you think to yourself, when you think about your faith, when you think about your attitude towards the Lord Jesus Christ, when you think about your attitude towards religious and spiritual things, when you think about your attitude towards God's word, when you think about your attitude towards Prayer. When you think about your attitude towards your dependency upon God, I wonder how many of us do not answer, do not raise 
a show of hands or anything like that. This, this is the question that I have had to wrestle with all week in my life. When I think about the spiritual side of my life, am I starving for God's righteousness? Am I in a dry and weary land thirsting after God? Or is it just something that I do? Is it just something that's on the side? Do I believe this wholeheartedly? Am I sold out to Christ so that he permeates every aspect of my life? Or is this a menu and I've just ordered some Jesus on the side? It's like a roll. You know, I I enjoy the meal, but I also want a roll. And I want to use that roll to sop up my gravy and my butter and eat my roll at the end of my meal. Is that how we look at Jesus? Or do we truly hunger and thirst for his righteousness? Does our hunger and thirst... For Jesus' righteousness affect how we live and affect how we make decisions. Because I would submit to us this morning that if our approach to religion, if our approach to our relationship with Jesus Christ is half-hearted, if it is something that we just think, I've said a prayer, I say that I believe this, mentally I understand it to be true, but it's not something that we pine after that we yearn for, that we jealously desire, I would say that maybe we've missed the point of what it means to want to be righteous in God's standard. It's not something that's just extra tacked on at the end. It's not the salad that just happens to come with the steak. And I'll pick at this salad so that it can whet my appetite to prepare for the steak. No, Hungering after Jesus is the salad and the steak and the dessert and the potato and the sweet tea and everything in between. I knew going into this sermon it was going to be hard to preach because I was going to get hungry as I spoke. And I know that all the restaurants in Covington County are going to be very grateful for me preaching this sermon this morning. Because I see some of y'all licking your lips already. You can think about, I know there's a Mexican restaurant or a Chinese restaurant that is grateful for us talking about hunger this morning. But that's not really hunger, is it? I remember one of the most convicting stories I ever heard was when Jessica and I were hearing a presentation from Compassion International at a youth camp. And so this young lady got up there, and she was a part of the Compassion International plan. And I just would encourage you this morning as a side note, if you've never participated in giving to Compassion International, it is fantastic as an organization. They carry the word of Jesus, and they are the hands and feet of Jesus through local churches in communities that are highly impoverished, okay? There's my sales pitch, it's over. But this young lady grew up in one of the community centers, going to one of the churches where somebody sponsored her, 30 bucks a month. And so because of that $30 a month, she had enough food to eat, she had enough to go to school and get an education, she ended up going to high school, which nobody in her community did, and she went to college. And so now she works for Compassion and is over on a work visa and would go around and share And she talked about how difficult it was to be around Americans talking about after they'd had breakfast and it gets to be about 12 o'clock telling each other, I'm starving. Oh, man, isn't it time for lunch? I am just starving. How flippant we are with our own language, right? This young lady knew what it was to starve. Where she grew up, aside from that $30 a month gift that she got for her sponsorship, she didn't know where her food was coming from. If she didn't eat at the church, at the community center there, she didn't know if she was going to eat. So it may be days between when she ate. And and we like to say to one another, oh, I'm just starving. Now, what we mean is 
We're ravenously hungry. We're, we're hungry and we're ready for lunch in a powerful way. But we use that word starving. And, and I just wonder, have you ever been starving for God's word? Have we ever been starving for God's righteousness? Have you ever been so hungry that you ache on the inside for the love of God? And for God to move in your life, to be passionate about, God, will you do something to remind me that you're real? Will you show up in some way so that I'll know that I'm not just chasing dreams and this is not just a fairy tale that I've gotten caught up in? Help me realize, Lord, that this is not fiction. This is true. And we pine and yearn after God. Or maybe the only times we do that are when we're in desperate need. But the sad part is the only way to be satisfied is to hunger and thirst for God's righteousness. It's not going to satisfy us to work overtime at our job and make more money and buy more stuff. It's not going to satisfy us to grow our business. It's not going to satisfy us to do any physical thing in this world to earn more material stuff. Ultimately, it will be empty and we will be hungry again in three or four hours. The only thing that satisfies is a hunger for God's righteousness and God's righteousness in our lives. God's activity in our lives. We stay late at work because one of our co-workers is experiencing a crisis in their life and you can share how Jesus loves them. You can be there for them and share the gospel with them just through your presence. I'm not saying you've got to walk down the Romans road with them. I'm talking you are just a minister to that person in that hour of need. That will satisfy. When we were seniors in high school, Jessica and I got to go on a trip um, to New York. And, and it wasn't a mission trip. It was just our church group got together and planned a trip. And it was like a senior trip. And got to go to New York City. And it was incredible. But I want you to know, somehow I got stuck going with a group of girls. Because they decided there needed to be at least one teenage boy with every group of girls for protection. But, I mean, I don't know what protection I was going to offer these girls, okay? I, I'm not sure. But there I was, walking around with them. And I missed breakfast that morning. And, and you guys have heard many a story uh, over the years of, of my frustration and when my, my hunger leads to anger and then I get kind of hangry. And, and they went shopping at one place and they went shopping at another place and they went shopping at another place. And then we had to go downstairs in the basement of this place and there were all of these knockoff coach bags and, and Gucci and all that stuff was all around. And we all knew they were fake and they were all buying. And that, I, I got out and said, that's it. That is it. I've only had one thing I've wanted to do this whole trip. I just want to go to Little Italy and have some Italian food, okay? My family's from Italy, and I want some good Italian food, and I ain't going to buy another knockoff purse until we get something to eat. And everybody in the group said, you know, guys, maybe we should make our way to Little Italy. That might be a, a good stop at this point in time. And we went, and we sat down, and, man, I had the best lasagna I've ever had in my life. I had a cannoli to top it off, and you've just never had a cannoli until you have a cannoli from Little Italy. It's amazing. And I want you to know, once, once that meal was over, I said, all right, where do you want to go shop? I'll carry any bag you want to carry. You want to walk all over the city of New York again? Let's, let's walk all over the city of New York again. I was completely and utterly and totally satisfied in that moment. That's why Jesus says, are you hungering and thirsting for his righteousness? Are you at the point where you get frustrated even because you're not where you know you ought to be, right? Do you ever get frustrated with yourself for not 
being as close to the Lord as you know you ought to be. That's a sign that you hunger and thirst for righteousness, that you're in the struggle, that you're in the battle, that you care enough about Jesus to want to be like him and to want so desperately to be like him that it frustrates you when you're not. That's the kind of hunger and thirst that we should have. What's really awesome is this is one of the easy ones to point out, how Jesus gives this little snippet in the Beatitudes, and then he comes back to it to give a little bit more context. Turn with me in your Bibles or follow on the screen. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. If you're hungering and thirsting for righteousness, if I am hungering and thirsting for righteousness, then I will seek first the kingdom of God and his, what's that word? Righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You could say it. It's okay. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added to you. Jesus works it into the Sermon on the Mount, talking about worry, talking about anxiety, talking about the stress of life. And he says, if you'll remember the beatitude, if you'll hunger and thirst for righteousness, then all these other things will fall into place. If you'll correct the vertical relationship, the horizontal will fall into place. And you find yourself at the cross of Christ. Folks, this morning, I just wonder, are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Not for lunch, but for God's righteousness. To live in such a way that it is right before the Lord. To seek Him first and His kingdom and what He would have us to do first and foremost above all else. If you really want to be satisfied in this life, if you truly want to be content, that's the only way to live. Because when we seek first His kingdom, when we seek first and hunger after, and thirst for His righteousness, we will be satisfied. And all these things will be added unto us. So that's what I want to leave us with this morning, church. How hungry are you? How thirsty are you? When's the last time that you pined and yearned and were starving for the righteousness of God Almighty, which can only be found through Jesus Christ, who died for our sins. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you made a way for us to be righteous. Even though our righteousness is as filthy rags, Lord, thank you that if we hunger and thirst for the righteousness of Jesus, if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that you, Father, raised Christ from the dead, we will be saved. Lord, help us to be satisfied in this life because we hunger and thirst for your righteousness. Lord, help us to seek first your kingdom, not our agenda, not our comfort, not our convenience, but your kingdom and your righteousness that we might experience true contentment and true satisfaction in this life. Lord, you fulfilled this beatitude and all the others perfectly. Would you come and help us as we seek to depend on you? As we strive, Father, to follow in your footsteps. 
Lord Jesus, would you send your Holy Spirit to move amongst us this morning that we might respond in obedience. Whether that means coming down front to pray or praying where we are or just standing and singing the song that Jason will lead us in in a moment. Whether that means coming and requesting to join the church or going and making things right with somebody else that we've wronged in our lives. Lord, help us to hunger and thirst for righteousness and to respond to you in obedience in the moments to come. We ask all these things in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Church, would you stand? Would you sing? Would you respond as the Spirit leads among us? Ah! Uh-huh. 
Thank you, church, for being here this morning. Thank you for singing and worshiping. When you come and you worship here with us, you add something that no one else can add to this service. So thank you for being here. To all those who are part of the families and friends of those who are dedicated, thank you all for being here. We just appreciate having you as our guests this morning. I do want to remind you that we have services on Wednesday night. We'll have a meal this Wednesday night. I do a Bible study in here. We have a brief time of prayer. And uh, listen, if you haven't been to Wednesday night services lately, then I assure you, you have not been to Wednesday night services. Our choir meets at 630. If you want to be part of the choir, we'd love for you to come. Jason would love for you to be there. So meal this Wednesday at 530, services at 630. If you're not there, you're missing out on your blessing, all right? So let me uh, lead us in our benediction. If you would read with me, we'll be in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. We've heard it already, but let's read it together again. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Amen and amen. Jason, lead us in our doxology, brother. Sing with me. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Amen. Have a wonderful afternoon.